Good morning and welcome to worship. Again, I invite you to join me as we uh, pray together the prayer, the Holy Spirit prayer in our time of meditation together this morning. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit, who instructs the hearts of the faithful, granted by that same Holy Spirit, we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in your consolations. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Last week I told you that this passage was a two-part drama. Obviously last week was part one, this week's part two. Just want to give you a little bit of the context here. It won't take a lot of time on this, but we know that Jesus has uh, been in the desert for 40 days, and uh, he's come out of the desert now, and as he has, he's now uh, beginning his ministry, and um, he's been in a few of the uh, towns and villages uh, out and about. One of them was a place called Capernaum. The likelihood is is that uh, by this time, we don't know chronologically for sure, but uh, by this time, the likelihood is is that uh, Jesus may have already uh, had the miracle at Cana happen as well, but you can't say that with absolute certainty. But anyway, the, the fact is is that, that Jesus had started his ministry, and the word about him was beginning to spread all throughout the region. And one of the things that was very common for Jesus uh, in his time in these villages and in these towns is that on on a daily basis, he would go to the synagogue. And uh, now we pick up the story where Jesus has has returned now to his hometown of Nazareth. Uh, just to give you a little sense of geography, uh, Nazareth is about 40 miles from Capernaum. So, uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a it's a rough and a hilly travel, so it could take anywhere from three up to two to three days, depending upon your physical conditioning. Um, it was very common for people to walk those trails back then. So the likelihood is he had traveled for a number of days, and on this particular day, when he was in the synagogue there, he asked for the scroll from the prophet Isaiah. After he had read those words that we heard last week in our gospel reading, he laid the scroll aside. And he said to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And that's where we pick up our passage today. And one of the very first things that we hear is that the people were very pleased and they spoke very well of him and through uh, what he had said and through what he was teaching them. Now the likelihood is, is that um, a lot of these people were starting to think, ah, the hometown boy is home. He's Joseph's son. We all know this guy. He's been around here for a few years. He's back. I'm sure that there were thoughts buzzing throughout. There were probably people were thinking, surely if he has done these marvelous and wonderful things in all of these other places, surely he has come home to be amongst us and to do many of those same things in our, his hometown. I mean, the hometown boy is back! I'm not sure if they were that energetic or enthusiastic about it. And they're thinking to themselves, he's here to stay, he's always lived here, he's going to now make his home here, and he's going to do all of these wonderful things, he's going to be healing and doing miracles amongst us. And oh, by the way, we, the people of the Jewish faith, our influence in this town is going to become even more respectful because we have 
the favored son back with us. And he has these gifts and he has these abilities that show God's favor, especially to him and especially to us, the chosen people. The likelihood is, is that's what they were thinking. That's very much what we pick up from this whole thought process. You know, just go back and read the words and kind of get a sense of what they might have been thinking. But this is where Jesus upsets the apple cart, per se, when he says, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. And then, through a series of scriptural examples, and I might add, these are very well-known scriptural examples, because the things that were read in the synagogue were often stories about the prophets, and Elijah and Elisha were two of the more well-known prophets. So these were well-known stories and passages. But basically, Jesus says to them, excuse my crude language here, but he says, hey, you remember those two dudes? Can I say dude? Remember those two dudes, Elisha and Elijah? You remember how God worked through them? In a time of great famine, Elijah, what did he do? He didn't go to the people of Israel. He went to a widow in Zarephath, a widow from Sidon, a person who was outside of the religious faith of the Jewish Israelite people. And yet he ministered to her and she ministered to him. And it was through her faith that she demonstrated her willingness to share. And that brought her to faith. And then Jesus says, and what about Elijah? Remember Elijah, that prophet who went to Syria? Remember there was all these lepers that uh, were a part of the, the, the land and the, the area. And, uh, and yet the prophet Elisha, he didn't go to any of them. Rather, he went to a Syrian. He went to a man named Naaman. And of course, I don't know if you know much about Naaman. Naaman was an army commander who fought against the Israelites and against the people of Judah. And then to make it even worse, he was a pagan and a Gentile. But Jesus reminds them that the only leper, the only leper that Elisha healed was Naaman, a Syrian, an enemy of Israel. Was this fighting words? Obviously it was because the people became infuriated as they listened to Jesus. So much so that they took him and they drove him out of town to the highest peak in the town, willing to throw him off the hill. And yet it says that Jesus simply passed through them and went on his way. So I ask you today, what are we supposed to make of all of this? A very well-known biblical scholar, his name is Fred Craddock. Uh, He has written a commentary on this entire Gospel of Luke. And he writes these comments about this. And I think they're very insightful words that I think are worth having you hear. He says, Besides examples of God's graciousness extending beyond Israel, I also think that these stories, along with Jesus' comments, indicate that we can't, that we can't tell God what God should do. God is not under our bidding. You know, hey, the hometown boy is home and we can, we can own him. He is ours and we can have him do and ask him to do anything that we want for him. No, Fred Craddock is saying that we can't put God under our bidding, that God won't do miracles here just because we want God to do it. And then I think this is quite interesting. He goes on, he further says, I'll say this twice because it's kind of a play on words. He says, Jesus does not go elsewhere because he is rejected. Rather, he is rejected because he is going elsewhere. 
That's kind of an interesting way of looking at that. Jesus does not go elsewhere because he's rejected. He is rejected because he says he's not going to stick around. He's going to get out of here. And he's going to go do the ministry to which he's been called. He will not, in other words, Fred Kotick says he will not place himself under the control or be confined by his hometown people or, for that matter, his family. When Jesus reads from the prophet Isaiah and he says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoner and to recover sight to the blind and to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And when he says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I said this last week. This is his mission and his purpose. And it simply means that God, through my life, through the life of Jesus and through his presence in the world, that I am going to be on the move and that God is going to be doing a new thing through me, through Jesus, and through my presence amongst you and amongst the world. You see, folks, maybe I was a little harsh. This is Jesus. Maybe, I'm being, maybe I was a little harsh, but the reality is I'm not just the hometown boy. You got it? I'm just not the hometown boy who's going to stick around and make your lives better. I have got a greater calling and i have a greater calling and it's a message that needs to be heard by the entire world you know as i thought about this i've i i thought how appropriate it is that we have this message and this passage before us today that god is on the move through christ just a few moments ago we blessed and commissioned this new ministry opportunity today called the Open Table Team. And through their gifts and through their talents and their resources and their abilities that they are blessed to have, and not only their gifts and talents and resources, but your gifts and talents and resources and the connections and the resources that all of us have with other people throughout the greater Lake Havasu community. That's what this whole open table concept is all about. It's all about people making connections with other people and bringing them together for a common cause and purpose. And I think that we are living into that call by Jesus, that his gospel message is to be taken out into the world, that God's mission field is not just within the confines of the walls of this church, but God's mission field is not meant to be kept in-house. God's mission is meant to be taken out beyond the walls of this sanctuary. And what God has in store for this open table ministry team and for us and as a faith community as we work together with Guiding Light Christian Educational Center, I don't know what God has in store. Only time will tell. Last week I quoted Reverend David Lose who said that when Jesus speaks of the word today, when he speaks that word, word today. He says it is not a static term. He says rather it is dynamic and active as in when he says today he is saying that today is just the beginning. And one of the things that we learn from the Apostle Paul in this love chapter, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, is that love, the love that Paul and the love that Jesus speaks of, has little to say or has little to do with our feelings. And as Deb Thomas says, it's not something that we simply wait around for or fall into. You see, we know that this love chapter is oftentimes read at weddings, but that's really not what was ever intended. Because if you really look at the context in which Paul was writing to the people of Corinth, uh, that church was a mess. It was an absolute mess. I mean, it was in dire trouble. (laughs) Basically, it was almost like this love chapter was a scold of the church and saying get your act together people 
I'm not saying that's what we need to do. I'm just simply giving you some context. It wasn't meant to be something that we stand up and read at a a, a wedding. Yeah, it all sounds kind of nice and pretty. And, you know, we're all just, oh, yeah, love. I fell in love and I'm in love now and I'm getting married and life is going to be so grand and so beautiful and we're going to be kind and gentle and patient and we're not going to be boastful or envious or any of that stuff, you know. That's not what Paul was saying at all. It's not something that we wait around for or fall into. Rather, he says, she says that the love that Paul describes, it's got muscle. She says it's got movement, it's got sweat and work, and it's got action. Love is kindly, love endures, and love gets up and it gets going, it moves And as I think about this new ministry opportunity before us with this open table team and with the Guiding Light Christian Ed Center, I hear the voice of Jesus saying to us today, again, today is just the beginning. And we have Jesus on our side. Jesus is with us. Jesus is walking with us on this new venture. And his love is telling us that we are to get on the move and get some things done. Jesus is telling the people of Nazareth today, I have a mission, I have a purpose And I'm not going to be confined. I'm not going to be put into a box by any of you. I came into this world to extend the love of God and I am taking it to the ends of the earth. The love of God through me is on the move. And that's why I'm being rejected today because I am going elsewhere. Today is another day for us to come into the presence of God, the presence of God and the presence of our Lord of our life and to ask, as Pastor Al reminds us on a regular basis, he says, when I get up every morning, he says, I look in the mirror and I say, God, Lord, where are you leading me today? I think that's something that we should all think about when we get up in the morning as as, 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 as hard as it is to have us look at ourselves in the mirror and the very first thing we say, oh my goodness, <laughs> I need to brush my teeth, I need to comb my hair, I need to get in the shower, I need to get this pathetic-looking person out of my sight. No, that shouldn't be the very first thing we say. We look at the mirror and we say, God, Lord Jesus, where are you leading me today? And let it begin with Christ's love, the love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And let each day begin with Jesus. As I close today, I want to share with you a few more words from Deb Thomas. She says, the only hope that we have is the hope that Paul clung to, the hope that Jesus will love us into loving. I think that's pretty profound. That Jesus will love us into loving. That he will be love in us, through us, and around us, and for us. And that in his generous, self-giving, cruciform love, that's what cruciform love is, we will find a source of life so lavish and so plentiful that we'll be able to give the love of God away. And we'll be able to give it away left and right, and we'll be able to give it away generously. And today is just another day, but it is the beginning. It is another day to be people who extend and are the presence of love in the world. We receive love, and we leave to give love. I think that's very profound, and I think it's something well worth considering today as we come to receive Holy Communion, that you come to receive the sacrament in order to be the sacrament, and you receive love in order that you might leave to give love. Amen. I invite you to pray together with me the prayer the Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.